Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. If you have a problem with it, build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Crossover NBA Podcast. Glad you could join me this week. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you commenting, subscribing, doing all that good stuff. We check that out uh, every week. Just head over to iTunes, post a comment, leave a rating. Simple, very easy, and the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast every single week. And my guest this week, you've heard him here many times before, Rohan Netkarni, broadcasting live from the SI Studios. What's up, Rohan? Did you see the guy who tweeted that basically like I was bland and humorless? I did. And, and I didn't go back and forth with you? And I'm just like, what podcast is he listening to? I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't have liked that tweet enough. Though. Like, <laughs> I see. It okay. Like just, it was like, like, unlike, like, you, unlike. You just re-liked like, it. Like, unlike. Just so he knows that he and I are on the I same see. Page. Sounds like you had a fulfilling weekend. I did. Just liking that tweet Excellent over and over weekend. again. Excellent weekend. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of a, a hot takey podcast Rowan. okay as you saw the topics i did see the topics it's a very hot takey podcast. Yeah, yeah i like it i uh, like it a lot let's begin in la and the los angeles lakers have now dropped five of the last seven games through monday the most recent being in new orleans where they gave up 128 points to the anthony davis list pelicans lebron james he says the lakers have grown accustomed to losing and he questioned the sense of urgency within his young team as of monday The Lakers are three games behind the Clippers, two in the loss column for the number eight seed in the West. So from your eyes, Rohan, what's going on in Los Angeles? So before we get into just the pure fire takes, let me a touch of nuance here at the start. All Lakers analysis needs to be couched in LeBron James's groin injury, right? 
Now, you can debate whether or not the injury is a result of LeBron finally aging, the minutes finally taking a toll on his body. But I, they were going to make the playoffs if LeBron never gets hurt. They were, I think, fourth in the West at that time, top 10 defense, just beat the Warriors. That team was playing really well until he went down. Then, obviously, there was a domino effect. They started losing. The Davis trade rumors happened. Who knows how the season would have played out if LeBron never gets hurt. Having said that, here's where I'm at with LeBron James right now. Does he know what he wants? Because what's that Pat Riley philosophy, the main thing always has to be the main thing, right? What's LeBron's main thing right now? I think he's at a point in his career in life where I don't blame him. He's maybe He's got five years of great basketball left. He's got to live for another 45, right? So that's why he's doing the shop on HBO. That's why he's making Space Jam 2. That's why he's got all these production things, you know, in the works. He just seems to be trying to have his cake and eat it. On one hand, he's saying the guys don't have a sense of urgency. On the other hand, he's saying anything that happens in my career at this point is icing on the cake. You know, a couple years ago, he said at his Nike camp, I'm chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan. This year, you know, he said in that documentary, I knew I was the GOAT when I made the block and we won game seven. I just don't know what he wants. I don't know what his motivations are right now. And I think that he's dialed it back even 2% from where he was those last couple years in Cleveland when it was obvious that even when he knew we probably don't have a chance to beat the Warriors. I'm going to drag this team to the finals and see what I can do. The LeBron who put up a 50-point triple-double in Game 1 of the NBA Finals, LeBron who punched the whiteboard because he was so upset at a game that they should have stolen, do you feel like we're getting that guy this year? Because I don't know if if I'm seeing the same LeBron. And I that is kind of my thing with the Lakers is what does LeBron really want right now? Because... And I don't blame him, but he seems to be at a stage in his career where maybe he's not as maniacally driven to win a championship as he was in the past. Look, we know LeBron went to Los Angeles for reasons that are beyond basketball. He went there in part because of the lifestyle that L.A. provides, got a home there, and, of course, growing his brand. The Spring Hill Entertainment brand has had a lot of, of you know fingers in pies over the last few years anyway. It's not like he went to L.A. and, oh, he's doing the shop, and, mm-hmm. oh, he's doing Space Jam. Like, this stuff's been in the works sure, sure. when he was within Cleveland. But L.A. provides him um, entry points that maybe he wouldn't have while he's in Cleveland. I thought his comment that everything else is kind of gravy when he made early in the season, I don't think he really believes that. I think he I, said that in response to something. Sure. I don't think he really buys. I think the real LeBron is the guy that's chasing Jordan. The real LeBron is the guy that we saw speaking after the New Orleans game, going after his teammates, trying to find ways to motivate him. So I think he still is. Can he still do it at a high level or the highest of levels? Probably not. This, I don't think anyone would argue, is maybe his worst defensive year of his career. And he certainly has been uh, declining in that, that part of the game over the last few years. But I still see a guy that's motivated to win at the highest of levels. Two things that that I said the start of the season with the Lakers that remain true. One, these are not the pieces you put around LeBron James. We said coming in, we wondered coming in, why this team didn't embrace what Miami did and what Cleveland did, which was surround LeBron James with shooters. This team instead had the cast of characters that were still there. Can't do much about that. Don't want to do much about that. But you bring in Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley and... 
Rondo to an extent. Rondo, of course, absolutely. These are not perimeter players. And their argument was, we're going to recreate what it means to play alongside LeBron. Instead of surrounding him with shooters and making him do a lot with the ball, we're going to surround him with ball handles and take pressure off him. That didn't make any sense to me then. It makes even less sense to me now. The Lakers are 28th in the NBA in three-point shooting. That is an abysmal number. You're just not going to win at a high level when you shoot that poorly. So no question, the injury had an impact on what the Lakers have done. I think they were 6-12 and with him out of the lineup. Let's say they go 9-9, and you know, 10-8, and whatever it is. They're entrenched at 7 spot, pretty firmly entrenched 7 spot, maybe with in position to climb up all the way to 6. So the injury surely cost them. But injuries happen in the NBA. It, in, Certainly. And LeBron, this is the first time he's looked human. First time he's had a real injury yeah. in his career. The other part of the Laker decline that I thought I, I said in the preseason, and I still believe it now, there are not enough players in that locker room that have equity within the team. And when I say that, I mean that they believe that they're Lakers, not just this year, but next year and the year after. They believe they're building something in Los Angeles. And that lack of equity took an even bigger hit when the Anthony Davis stuff hit. Because, you know, for a while, I'm sure, you know, Ingram and Kuzma and those guys probably thought when LeBron came in, like, all right, he's going to help us win. They said as much. Like, they said as much in the preseason. Like, he's going to help us win. Then all of a sudden, whether you want to say LeBron is pulling the strings or not, it seemed like LeBron was trying to trade them out of town. Like, get them out of there. Trying to get rid of the coach, too. (laughs) So, yeah, exactly. So we can get Anthony Davis into a Laker uniform. So the lack of equity... And what equity means. Equity can just bind a team together and get them through some of those tough times. That lack of equity became even more pronounced after the Davis stuff. So the lack of shooting and the lack of equity within that team, I think, has really cost this Laker group. That's really interesting. It's also funny because when you think back to his first couple years in Cleveland, there was so much of LeBron is trying to take the lessons he learned from Miami and apply it to Cleveland, right? He was trying to quote-unquote, bring some of that culture over to Cleveland, you know, of accountability, whatever he learned from Pat and Spo and those guys. That seemed to be a selling point. I mean, he was even using, you know, phrases that Spo would use uh, to kind of build that that same level of buy-in with his Cleveland teammates. And I agree, when you sign, sign a bunch of guys in one of your deals, when you know that the play here is to get other superstars, there's kind of like a, is this a real team? I mean, Everyone seemed to love when Rondo hit that shot against Boston. I, I, I've seen some of the local guys kind of say how maybe the young guys respond better to Rondo than LeBron even, but you know, Rondo's not a long-term fixture there. It's just a, a really weird mix. You know, when, when you sent me the email, what you wanted to talk about, I saw you saw who do you blame uh, for the Lakers' struggles. This is who I blame. It's about 90% Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson, 10% Paul George, Okay. Because they're going to blame Paul George. Here's for... the thing Paul George, my man, having an incredible season. I think he's having a better season than the one Kawhi Leonard had in 2017 when Kawhi was maybe 3A, 3B player in the league, got MVP votes over Russ and Harden that year from some very knowledgeable people. Paul George is doing that, and he's hitting threes, you know, the best since Steph Curry, basically, the only guy to even come close. If this version of Paul George is on the Lakers, I mean, their problems are solved, right? I I can't imagine LeBron went to L.A., you know, thinking that one of these guys isn't going to sign with him. I, I think he went to L.A. thinking, I'm going to go there. Paul George, who's been talking about going to Los Angeles openly for two years now, he has to be going there, right? And then he doesn't even take a meeting. 
So a little bit Paul George is like, okay, you, you said you were going to do that, but hey, you stayed in OKC. It's worked out great for you. That team is set up in the post-Warriors world to be successful. So I don't, I don't blame him for staying there. But Rob Palenka, you had the chance to trade for Paul George. You didn't want to roll the dice. You had, you maybe had a chance, maybe had a chance to overwhelm the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard. Maybe Pop didn't want to do a deal, whatever. But you know, you didn't, you didn't put it all on the table for that. And this is what happened. I mean, like you said, they signed these guys to one year deals in the summer. Guys that at the time we all said this makes no sense. You know, Beasley's already gone. Zubac is gone. I mean, I see guys being like. Reggie Bullock is a great fit for this Lakers team. He is. Reggie Bullock is your difference maker. So uh, there's a, I just, the front office there, I think they did, obviously did a great thing by bringing in LeBron, but now you start to wonder how much did that really have to do with the front office? I mean, LeBron kind of is his own entity and does what he wants. Uh, He went back to Dan Gilbert. I don't think that had anything to do with him. You know what I mean? So I hold the front office, I think, kind of responsible for where this season has gone. They didn't. They just kind of punted on this year in the off season, and, and this is the result. This is the worst case scenario. LeBron gets hurt. The guys who are there don't really care, and now they're fighting for a playoff spot. And there's only so much. Look, you can punt on a season when LeBron's 27, 28 years old. When he's sure. in his mid 30s, it becomes that more dangerous. Now, I don't think anyone believed, regardless of who they put around LeBron that with Golden State out there, with Houston out there, with the depth of town, the Western Conference, that this year's Lakers team could compete. The real, I mean, the the real thing is going to happen this summer when if they strike out with free agents and they wind up coming back to camp with largely the same group, it's going to be problematic. And then you will look back, not so much on the Kawhi Leonard stuff, because I'm of the belief that I don't think San Antonio wanted to deal with them. Probably anymore. not, probably not. I mean, maybe if they threw a godfather type of deal yeah. on the table. But... They didn't go. They could have overwhelmed the Oklahoma City offer, and you know I don't think Indiana would have cared trading him to the Lakers or trading him to the yeah. Thunder. They wanted the best deal possible. Turns out they got a great one uh, with Victor because at the time that deal was panned. Yeah, widely panned. Like you yeah. didn't get a first round pick out of it. Yeah. You got Oladipo, who was regarded as a good player on you a got bad Sabonis. contract at the yeah. time. Yeah. Sabonis, regardless, is a decent prospect. So, yeah, I, I think the front office. This is going to be if they don't get somebody this summer. It's going to be a referendum on them because they are in a in a perilous position here, where they could wind up wasting the last few years of LeBron's career. Now, all that being said, as you look at it right now, do they make the playoffs? Do they miss the playoffs? They've got one of the hardest schedules of any team out there down the stretch. I think it's in the top ten uh, in terms of strength of schedule. Uh, do they make the playoffs? I think I'm going to be wrong no matter what I say because that's just how these things go. And I'd rather be wrong betting on LeBron James than betting against him. So I'm still going to say they make it. But who knows? It's a toss-up at this point. Yeah, I, I can't, and I've gone back and forth. I'm going to stick with my original prediction to start the season that the Lakers won't make the playoffs. And it's gone differently than I thought it would, obviously. Uh, but all the things I said remain true. I, I don't see this team, I don't know if they have the the, the gravitas to kind of rally you down don't, the stretch. You don't think Reggie Bullock is going to make the difference? I don't think he's going to make the difference <laughs> okay. with this group. Not with that strength of schedule. And look, at some point... You know, I, and I think we talked about this last week, but I'm kind of tired of the Kings are this upstart team. Ugh, sort one, of thing. one of your many. I'm just, old I'm man just tired of. But th- that said, like they're a good team right now, yeah, and they should make the playoffs. They've got with the Clippers. You know, they're they're doing it through guts right now, and, and losing their top scorer had to kill them. But the Kings should be the team to make the playoffs, yeah. and if they and the other team probably needs to make the playoffs the most because it means something to that young. One group. thing I'll say about the Kings. 
they're what the Suns should be, right? Because the Suns are in a similar position where they've missed the playoffs so many years in a row, and they're getting all these great picks, and somehow they still suck so hard. It's incredible. It's wild. I'm shocked every time the Suns win a basketball game. And I know they're going to beat the Heat tonight just because I said that, but I'm just shocked every time Phoenix wins a basketball game. Absolutely. All right, from one coast to the other, let's go back to Boston here. And the Celtics' problems, Rohan, they continue. They came out of the All-Star break. It took a tough loss in Milwaukee, where I thought they played hard. I was at that game. I thought they played pretty hard before getting absolutely rolled by the Bulls in Chicago, where they had beaten the Bulls by 56 points back in December. When the game, in this one, they didn't play all that hard. After the Bulls lost, Kyrie Irving said everything would be fine, that they would be ready for the playoffs. Why? Because he is there. Marcus Smart, meanwhile, said the Celtics have lost their will to fight. So those are two pretty different viewpoints uh, on uh, between those two guys. What do you see? What What is going on in Boston right now? It's interesting. I kind of understand where Kyrie's coming from. I mean, he played for some teams in Cleveland that were famously didn't really give a shit about the regular season. So I could see why he's like, listen, this is nothing to me. I mean, you remember, I mean, Kyrie was on that Cleveland team that looked like it had its soul snatched by the Warriors on Christmas Day and... There's that vine of Steph stealing the ball from LeBron in the post, and it it just looks like LeBron is watching his career slip away as Steph runs down the other side of the court, and Cleveland ends up winning the finals that year. I'm not as worried about Boston. I enjoy it because I know how much you, you know, you wear your Bill Russell underwear every day. and Every day. You're just, you do your Tommy Hansen impression in the mirror, you know, when you wake up every morning. So I enjoy it from that aspect. It's very funny to watch them go through this. But here's what it comes down to. They've played the top teams in the East fairly well. I mean, that Milwaukee game, toss-up, right? They, they've they Correct me if I'm wrong, they have, they've obviously dominated the Sixers. They have wins against Toronto and Milwaukee this They have year. very good records against good teams. Exactly. 3-0 and against the Sixers. Going into Tuesday night, they're two and one against the Raptors. Only one and two against the Bucks, Bucks but, but the some last close one games. Was, they could have gone either way at the last one. So and against you saw they played against Golden State. Besides the Golden State loss, they're four and three against the playoff teams in the Western Conference. So when the competition gets good, so does Boston. Exactly. This is what I'll say about the Celtics and the East in general. I think the East playoffs are going to be kind of fascinating exercise and matchups, right? Because if Philly draws Boston, they could get knocked out. If Philly avoids the Celtics, I could easily see them making the finals. I think it's going to come down to some – it's going to get granular in the East, I think, in the postseason. It's going to come down to this team played its center for too many minutes in this game, and that's why they ended up losing whatever. So I'm not really worried about Boston. They can still match up really well. Like we talked about in that Philly game, we saw Gordon Hayward kind of come alive. He's a wild card for him in the playoffs. I still like Boston's ability to match any style in the playoffs, right? They can play big. Horford can guard a bunch of guys. Baines is actually like a really good player for them whenever he's healthy, but they can also go smaller if they need to. I'm seeing a team that there's kind of a, a little bit of a push and pull between you have these young kind of upstart types in the Jalen Browns, the Marcus Smarts, who haven't had the success or perspective of a guy like Kyrie, right, who's been around a little bit longer, just a little bit, but has also been in these high-pressure moments. I could see why Kyrie doesn't get up for a February Mm -hmm. game in Chicago the way Marcus Smart does, you know, when you've played in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. but, like, I would believe that if they were kind of like four games up in the number one seed. But right now, they're in a dogfight 
in that three to five range. Like at this point, that's all Boston's fighting for. I mean, the one two. Yeah. It's probably going to be just Milwaukee. Home court in the it's probably going to be Toronto and yeah. the one two. So you want to get home court, and you'd like to probably stay out of that four five matchup if it is Philadelphia there. You'd probably right. rather get the three seed, maybe take on Brooklyn in that first round. So I mean, you got to be up for those games. My my biggest issue with Boston, something you didn't touch on yet, the young guys got to wake up. Like they've got to play better. Like that's I understand their frustration because of what they did last year, but Jalen Brown in that Chicago game took some awful shots. Jason Tatum. His numbers are fine, but if you watch him play, he's not close to what he was last year. He's really struggling, kind of adjusting to. It has struggled. I mean, it, it's time to be done saying struggling too. Like it's like we're three quarters of the way through the season. Like this is now an official struggle. Like he is the struggle is real for Jason Tatum and adjusting to a new role. Meanwhile, Terry Rozier, who I think is really trying to be a good soldier as the backup there, has been a fraction of what we saw in the playoffs last year. These guys got to get it together. Like, I think Kyrie's going to show up in the playoffs. I think Al Horford's going to show up in the playoffs. Al Horford has been worth every nickel of that contract for the sure, Celtics. For he sure. has been excellent with them. With a few exceptions, start to finish, uh, regular season, postseason, he has been excellent. But the Celtics season is going to come down to the young guys and what they get from Gordon Hayward. Those two factors are going to determine how far the Celtics go. Without a doubt. I will say the young guys do need to improve. At what point do we start to expect Gordon Hayward to look like Gordon Hayward? Yeah, but here's the thing. He has, like, the month of February, last night's game, or Monday night, was it Sunday night's game, notwithstanding, Saturday night's game, uh, he's been really good. Like, in the month of February, it's only, like, seven games. He's shooting, like, 55% for the floor, 52% from three. Like, he, he has started to really turn a corner in the last six, seven games. It'll be interesting. But I understand where you're coming from. You're making good points. I just... This is another team where there's just, there's just too much talent there, too much versatility there for me to be just out on them before I see them in a playoff series. Because, again, if they get Philly, I mean, that's a matchup they dominate. They so. do, especially with Baines yeah. there. I mean, Baines probably defends uh They have the two, the two best guys, yep. Baines and Horford. Yep. So, you know, there's a lot that can still break right for them. They're still – I mean, their net rating is still very good. I mean, the metrics on them still have the profile of a very good team, mm. all these frustrations aside. And, and look – you worry about seeding. You want to get home court, but the Eastern Conference playoffs are set up in such a way that I'm not. There's no team you want to avoid. There's no Golden State that you're like I don't want any part of them. Like there are a lot of people across the league that believe that Milwaukee is a great regular season team that may not be built. Let's for the playoffs. let's talk about the Bucks for a second because I'm fascinated by this team. After the trade deadline, I I wrote a thing for SI about which team has the best lineup to match up against the Warriors. And I put the Bucks fourth out of those quote unquote top four teams in the East. I didn't include Indiana, and I'm sorry, because we also should talk about the Pacers at some point. Mm. But something about the Bucks, I mean, top five offense and defense, right? It makes no sense. This should be, you know, a, a championship contender. But I'm kind of with you. There's something about them that I just don't know if I trust them come playoff time. How like can they get away with playing? Brooke Lopez as much as they do in the playoffs. Brooke Lopez has been like an anchor of their defense in the regular season. Exactly. But in the playoffs, as teams start to get a little stretchy with their lineups, right. play smaller guys, can you afford to have Lopez on the floor? Exactly. That's what I'm worried about. And then you think if they go small and you got Miritich. Now, Miritich is not a bad defender, and teams actually defend pretty well when he's on the court. But it's just, it's. I guess it depends how much you value Chris Middleton. I'm so fascinated to see Philly, or... Milwaukee in the playoffs. One thing I'll say about all these East teams, you know, again, the Bucks are expected to do big things. 
they've never made it past the first round, that core. There's something to be said about teams that have experience playing together in the playoffs, which is why I'm actually really high on Toronto, because not only do they have a core, they also have a finals MVP. Uh, I'm really, really fascinated by Milwaukee and what they can do in the playoffs, because again, statistically, they look like a team that should be playing in the finals, but... It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with them, you yeah. know, with Lopez especially. If you're Boston, you got to just lock in because yeah. there isn't that boogeyman out there. You just got to make sure you're playing well going into the postseason, regardless of what seed uh, that you go in at. Because if they are playing well, they they can beat pretty much anybody. And real quick, what the hell is up with the Pacers? Just every time I look up, third in the standings. They, I was like, I'm gonna. Here's the thing. Hold that thought because I'm gonna give the Pacers one more week. Okay, if they're third in the standings next week. We'll sit here and do I gotta, a whole segment I, I got to get out to Indiana. That's we'll, what I got to do. We'll do something. The Pacers, Nate McMillan is earning that Coach of the Year vote. Right Without a doubt. With what Without he's a doing. doubt. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Rockets, though. They go into Golden State on Sunday, and they win without James Harden. Chris Paul has a great game. They get scoring from a bunch of guys. The Rockets suddenly, Rohan, are looking more and more like the Rockets team we saw last year. Uh, do you look at that win over Golden State as just a one-off, or... Do you look at the fact they've got a pretty good record against Golden State the last couple of years? That, you know, they've got the the piece. They're up 3-2 in the conference finals last year. Is this Rockets team a legit threat to Golden State in the West? Okay, the win over Golden State on Saturday night means absolutely nothing to me. Okay, let me just start there. Every year we see this with the Warriors. One team beats them, and you're like, oh my God. Just look at what the Warriors did to Denver when, I, when people like me were hyping up the Nuggets and the Warriors said, you know what, we're going to care about a regular season game, and they put up a historic first quarter. As soon as James Harden was ruled out, I knew the Rockets were winning that game. That's what that was. That was the Warriors being like, all right, they don't give a shit, we won't give a shit. Let's just see what happens. Here's what bothers me about Houston. Harden has been incredible, there's no doubt about it, and we can debate, is he going to wear down by the playoffs? It was encouraging to see Chris Paul have a big game. Chris Paul, last year, like pound for pound, was an MVP-level player. He just didn't play in enough games, and he was having an outstanding season last year. He hasn't been quite the same this year, not just from an injury standpoint, but just on the court he hasn't had the same impact. You know, down the stretch of that Lakers game, Chris Webber is talking about the Rockets don't have another guy to initiate. And I'm like, you know, Chris Paul is on the floor, but he's already kind of taken that step back this year but what bothers me more about the Rockets than anything else the defense you know bottom third of the league last year they were a top 10 defensive team they somehow coaxed Jeff Bidzelic out of retirement to come fix the defense and it hasn't really worked now it'll help when Clint Capella is fully healthy I think Iman Schumpert can help can they get another guy on the buyout market but I think the Rockets success last year against the Warriors was predicated on one thing only which was we're building our entire defense from day one of training camp to match up with the Warriors. That's all we care about, is, and we're going to just drill in these defensive principles so that when we match up with Golden State, we can defend them. And they did a pretty good job of, you know, for stretches of the, that West Finals, taking the Warriors out of their game, forcing a lot of Kevin Durant isolations. I just don't see that from them this year, and that's why I can't call them a legitimate threat. As great as Harden is... When Harden hit that game-winning three and on the floor called Draymond Green a very bad word, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is cool as hell. I love that. I love the Rockets. But I just have no faith in a a bottom-10 defense defeating Golden State in the playoffs. Okay, I don't have the numbers for what this team is 
you know, with Fareed, really with the entire lineup altogether. That's right. the team I'm, I'm looking for because that there's only a finite amount of information right. available about the Fareed Rivers. Uh, Harden, Paul, Capella lineup. That's the lineup we have to see if they can defend at a high level. But they're 3-0 and against Golden State, and Golden State has or is going to have a DeMarcus Cousins problem. They are. Because Cousins is just getting pick-and-rolled to death. And watching that Rockets game, it's Chris Paul, pick-and-roll, DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, a couple of them were highlight-worthy, but that's what, what they're doing all day long. And DeMarcus Cousins is already starting to grumble a little bit about his role with the team, not finishing games. But the reality is, if you can't defend the bread-and-butter play at a high level, you can't be out there. It's got to be a smaller lineup with either Draymond at 5 or Looney at 5, whoever it is out there at the 5 spot. And and I just just wonder if that becomes a source of friction within that team. DeMarcus Cousins, even though he said all the right things, signing with that team, he said, you know, like he's got to rehab his body, and to a certain degree, he had to rehab his image. You know, he wants to play, and he can't play against teams with point guards like Chris Paul because they are going to put him in pick and rolls until the sun comes down. I agree. The Cousins thing is interesting. Here's where I fall on that. When it comes to crunch time playoffs, I don't think Steve Kerr will hesitate to take him off the floor. I don't think Steve Kerr cares at all. I think Steve Kerr has built up enough credibility to be like, I don't think he's going to worry about an outburst. I mean, he's dealt with Draymond Green, for Christ's sakes. I don't think he's worried about DeMarcus Cousins. I think Kerr, when push comes to shove, will, without hesitation, bench Cousins in favor of the greatest lineup in NBA history, yeah. put Draymond and Iggy on the floor, and, and he's willing to match up how he needs to match up with Boogie. I think what's happening right now, I think Kerr kind of realizes it doesn't matter if we win or lose these games. What matters is, can I get... DeMarcus to a place where I can trust him on the floor at the end of a fourth quarter. So I think that's what's going on with Boogie right now. I think, you know, Steve is kind of willing to, I'm calling him Steve because I guess we're old friends. Hey, Stevie. I I bumped into him at Barclays once and he said, no problem, man. So we're buds. Uh, I think he's kind of willing to let the experiment run its course during the regular season. That that's the vibe I get. Okay. I mean, look, if Cousins goes into the playoffs understanding that that's what this is. He's quarters one through three, and in the fourth, if there's a certain type of lineup he's effective against, great. If he's got it rolling offensively, great. But he's going to have to prove himself to stay out there on the floor against these teams. I have to imagine he went into this season knowing that to some degree. But it doesn't sound like he's embraced that over these last few weeks. It sounds like it, yes, but I'm sure it's it's very tough for him to come back being the player that he was, and I think once he has some time, I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, look, to, to put a button on the Rockets, I, I give. I mean, Daryl Morey is there's a, there's a lot of competition for Executive of the Year. Um, you know, I think John Horst in Milwaukee has had a great season. Uh, there's been a handful of other guys that have had a good season, but Daryl Morey kind of retooling this team on the fly, uh, recognizing what they needed and going out there and getting the right guys. I mean, it bears repeating. Kenneth Fareed. Like I'm tempted to vote for Kenneth Reed for most improved player. Oh my god! I am because I'm based on like a half a season even. Like like the first half of the season with Brooklyn, he wasn't doing anything. He was stable to the bench. Second half with the Rockets, he's given him like 16 and 10. Like he's the old animal. Like what? Where would this guy go? Where'd he come from? Austin Rivers too. Like sort of a scrap heap acquisition. I don't know where Austin Rivers would be if he wasn't uh, with the Rockets. He's playing 33 minutes a game. 
right now and giving them 10 points a game. So, like, the, the way this team's been retooled to go from a team that in December, for the defensive reasons you mentioned, for a handful of others, uh, I didn't think they were a real contender, to one that we're at least talking about them being a real contender is really remarkable. Credit the Rockets front office for that. Yeah, credit the Rockets front office. The conversation we need to have about the Rockets, and this is what bothers me, and because Adam Silver goes, you know, at NBA All-Star, and he's talking about trade requests and all these problems, you know, with NBA players and maybe kind of the power they're getting. An underrated storyline, I think, of the season is the Rockets, you know, their owner, this mega rich guy, how desperate they are to duck the luxury tax. Yeah. There's no reason for them not to bring back Trevor Ariza. Yeah, that was a financial move. Right, and look, at, and look at what they're doing now, you know, signing these 10-day guys. Daryl Morey's clearly working under some constraints this year that he didn't have last year. And the Rockets, if we want to, you know, their defensive issues, they lose two guys. That, to me, is really, really bothers me that you have a team that was up 3-2 on Golden State and now your owner wants to get cheap and he there's no pressure on him. There's no discussion about him about what he, the effect he's had in breaking up a potential championship contender. Yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, all right, let's finish. We should weigh in on the Zion Williamson stuff. Ooh. Uh, Zion, of course, last week after this pod came out, he had the game against uh, North Carolina. A minute into the game, he tears off, he makes a pivot, his shoe explodes, basically one of the worst looks for Nike ever. I said this to somebody, like the most iconic Nike moment that I can remember is the Tiger Woods golf ball. Remember it was at the Masters when it kind of rolls and pauses uh-huh. on the Nike symbol and then drops to the cup? That was on one end of the spectrum. This has got to be on the other. Like Seeing a player's sneaker explode on national television, not only a player, but the number one player in college basketball, the almost surefire first uh, uh, pick in the draft, not a good look for Nike. That being said, a lot of talk now again about Zion Williamson. Should he sit out the rest of the season? A couple layers to this. I want to get into the one and done rule quickly as well. But should Zion Williamson, is it, if you were in Zion Williamson's shoes, so to speak, would you sit out the rest of the season? Uh, first of all, let me just make this clear. College athletes should get paid. College athletes should benefit from their likeness. That's obvious. Well, those are two separate things, though. Col- I like, know. Yes, the I college agree. Ba- like the, like, the college basketball players getting paid, I, I don't... No one's ever presented a plan for make that work. This is how you make it work. Run it like a pro league, because that's what it is. The, the, whatever. The schools can sponsor them if they want, but that's how it works. Okay? okay, but then you wouldn't have, like, 130 college basketball teams. You just wouldn't. I, I don't care. Okay, <laughs> yes, but right, okay, that's whatever. not practical. Okay. I'm saying... The, I, I need... Before people say... Pay players! I hear a lot. Pay the players! Pay them right now! Like, give me a plan. I need to see a plan. The likeness stuff, I'm with you. Like, let them have their own shoe deals. Literally set it up exactly like the NBA. That's how you do it. It doesn't work. The idea that that any Power 5 team is losing money from college basketball is absurd. It's not, but they make money as soon as they sign their television contracts. I agree, but not there's more than just the Power 5 schools that are out there. Okay, then that then they can then if they want to take the loss they Darwinian, can take the loss. like sort of like the survival yes. of the fittest. Or... Yes. If it means the Zion Williamson's of the world getting paid, yes. I don't care if some random coach is not getting a paycheck anymore because he can't exploit labor. Anyway, right. anyway. If I'm Zion Williamson, Having said all that, if he wants to play, he seems to someone who genuinely enjoys college basketball. You know, he told GQ, you know, every time we touch is playing before Duke games and he's getting hyped. If he enjoys it, then play. Zion Williamson could tear his ACL tonight on a scooter accident and he'd still be the number one pick in the NBA draft. He'd be a top five pick. 
I think he'd still go number one. I I, I don't think teams are gonna. I don't think there's anything that's gonna scare away teams. The foot injury scares him. Embiid was a pretty that's true. solid number one. But Embiid had a weird like the back, and then because he missed the tournament, then it looked like he got hurt again. Yeah. Whatever. Plus feet scare right. Feet scare teams more than ACLs yes, do. Yes. Right. Yeah. I don't think ACLs are really a, a thing anymore. So I, I think he's gonna go number one no matter what. So my I, if I were in his shoes and I really loved playing college basketball. And God knows I would because I love the attention. I'd be hamming it up in front of the crowd every night. I think he should still play. But that's that's completely up to him if he enjoys it. If he's over it, then yeah, stop playing because I, I, I think he's going to go number one no matter what. Yeah. Look, one thing you have to remember, too, is that Zion Williamson going to Duke, he benefited from that. Zion Williamson was not LeBron James in high school. Like, I, there's no – he might not have – if he didn't go to Duke or, or college, maybe he's not the number one pick. If he had sat out the entire year – there's a question. Like, there's a question for you who well, have been the number one. Well, here's what, because that to me brings up like a, a little bit of like a chicken and the egg thing. Let's say, but if the one and done rule didn't exist, would there then be more intention, attention on a Zion Williamson like player because you know he's going to try to enter the NBA draft? Like, part of the thing with LeBron was you know this guy's going to go to the NBA, so there's a little more attention on him. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Anyway, the the, the Zion stuff is that. I'm with you that if he got a significant injury, he'd probably still be a very high pick in the draft. So the risk isn't all that significant yeah. to come back and play. I mean, of course, anything could happen, but he's not playing football. And he's yeah. not a running back who is you know worried about the number of hits you can take yeah. and the wear it takes in your body. He's playing big-time college basketball, and he's only got, what, like at most 12 more yeah, games, yeah. something like that, left? I, you know, I don't think there's any danger in him coming back. If I was him, I would come back. But it's also sparked the discussion about should the one and done rule go away? Um, you know, and and I look, I think the one and done rule is eventually going away. You know, Adam Silver takes a much different position than David Stern did on the the one and done stuff. For a long time, Adam Silver wanted to maintain the status quo that Stern set up, being the one year removed from high school. But it's been increasingly clear over the last year that. It's not as big or as, as steadfast an issue for Silver as it was for David Stern. So I think this is going to go away, whether it's 2022, 23, 24. At some point, it's going away. But the reality is, I never had a huge problem with the one-and-done rule. For starters, I do think that the one-and-done rule, and you can't prove a negative here, but I think the one-and-done rule probably helped some kids that were like, I'm the shit. I'm going to go to the pros. I'm going to make money. And they would enter the draft, and they'd be like either second-round picks or not drafted at all. Some of these kids, I bet you, who thought that way, went to college, maybe realized, like, oh, maybe I'm not the shit. Maybe I'm, I'm not that good a basketball player. And stayed and, like, you know, did something else. I, I think there's, that, there's, there's some truth. There's some, there's some merit to that, that type of argument. The second part of it is people dump all over the G League, and that's fine. Like, the G League's not great. You have to take, like, bus rides everywhere, and you stay in small cities, and it's not the greatest experience in the world. But if you go to the G League now, or at least coming soon, not only will you be able to make $150,000 in salary, but if you are a top-flight prospect, you can get Nike money. You can get Adidas money. You can get Puma money. Like, these sneaker companies are not going to be like, you know, we're going to wait. You, we'll talk to you uh, in two, a year from now when you get into the NBA draft. Because if they do, another sneaker company, we're not going to wait. We'll sign you. Here's a million-dollar advance just to play for the Sioux Falls Sky Force. Is they still a team? I think so. That sounds so. right. Like, that's, that's what they could do. And so that you could make seven figures coming out of high school if you're a top 
level prospect. So the idea of these guys have no avenue to make money. Again, I think there should be compensation like you, but we can argue over what that compensation could be. I'm with you on the likeness stuff. Have your own shoe deal. Be able to go to like autograph sessions or whatever to make some money. Uh, capitalize on who you are. Uh, but there are other ways to to make cash coming out of high school. Definitely. The way I look at what I'm done, I think it's dumb. I, I It just makes no sense to me. I, I do think what would behoove everyone involved is some kind of proper developmental system in the NBA. And I think they're making steps towards making the G League more appealing to teams in terms of developing guys. And we've seen some teams use it to success. I mean, Denver with Monte Morris. I mean, I, I don't think Denver was affiliated, but you know what I mean? Like he came up, he had that year. Yep. The Heat have done it uh, with guys like, you know, Tyler Johnson, whatever. I don't even know if Tyler Johnson was in the G League for them. But point being, teams are, are finding ways to use the G League. I think that's a good idea. Can you can you draft a guy, stash him for a year in a, such a way that he's in your program? I mean, look at Montrez Harrell with the, the Rockets. I mean, he was, you know, playing on their, their science lab G League team, came up and started playing really well for, for them before he got traded. So I, I think a developmental system where guys... I'm. I don't know if I buy into your pop psychology about college players who, who went there and realized. But I do. Hey, think- man, I was working for back in the day working in the NBA. Um, you see the Corleone Youngs of the world <laughs> roll through. You hear the stories of Taj McDavid and so many others. Leon Smith. <laughs> All, and, and those are just like the high-profile right, right. names. I, 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 like, it, it's maybe a little too altruistic sure. and it's paternal to a degree, yeah. but it's like, I mean... I, 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 I do think that structure helps at that young age, right? I don't think everyone is ready to be a professional at 18, 19 years old and the nope. responsibilities and pressure that come with being a top draft pick for an NBA team. But what I think is better than college is guys being in an NBA structure. I mean, it bothers me that the college game... It's a glorified minor league, and they play under different rules than the NBA. So I think, I do think a structure, you know, having kind of a a better way station between high school and the NBA that kind of gets you accustomed to a professional lifestyle, playing a full NBA season, you know, the structure, whatever that makes more sense. And if the G League is that route, I, I'm I'm very open to that. But those guys should be getting paid, and those guys should be able to become pros much earlier. I mean, look at Luka Doncic; it looks like it's helped his career a lot. Pacers have Detroit, Dallas, Minnesota, and Orlando over the next four. Oh, they're going four and zero, baby. We, I'm getting. We I'm, be, I'm pitching an Indiana story right when we get out of here. Maybe, yeah, we might be talking about them. <laughs> We're uh, going to take the crossover podcast on the road. <laughs> uh, Rohan, always appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining me. Anytime, man. All right, that's it for this week's episode. As always, you can download archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. You know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.